0: Hey, we're in the book of Ephesians this morning in chapter 4. We'll be starting in verse 17. Uh, and uh, if, you've, if you've been with us the last uh, little bit, um, Paul has taken a turn in the book of Ephesians, and he's starting to talk about what it's like to live out the gospel. It's The first three chapters are all about what is the gospel and what do we believe. But he's taking a turn, and he's talking about... Uh, how we live out the gospel he's used this phrase to describe the rest of the book that we he says I urge you to live in a manner worthy of the calling that our lives should match um, and be in comparison to and lived out of the gospel that we've been called to Paul is going to take uh, today, and he's going to begin to talk about, in verse 17, the new life, the new life that we've been given in Christ, as opposed to the old life that we had before Christ. And uh, this is a pretty amazing thing, and I hope today makes us thankful uh, for those who have a new life, that we don't have, we don't still live in our old life. I hope if nothing else, we're thankful today today. Uh, that we don't have to live our old life anymore before Christ. I know I am, Um, but today that's what he's going to talk about. And the main point today is this, that the gospel transforms us. It transforms us. Uh, It changes us from the old, and it makes us something new. We're not meant to just claim Christ and say, I'm a Christian, but continue to live as if we don't know Christ. Chasing our old desires and our old passions. No, we are new creations. And as new creations in Christ, we don't submit to our old desires, but we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and his instruction for how we should live. Today, Paul is going to use this language of taking off the old and putting on the new. and So it's this imagery of clothing. And I'm no fashion expert by any means. Like, my wife buys my clothes. I've reached that point in life. And it's probably a, better, it's a good thing for everyone, including me. But the imagery that Paul is going to use of taking off the old and putting on the new is, is that of clothing That we take off the clothes, what people see of the old man, and we put on the new. So I want you to imagine with me for a second uh, that myself, uh, let's just picture this. That I was charged with a crime and I was put into prison. Now you can be creative with what crime that was. Whatever you can picture me committing. Uh, Let's just imagine for a second, Byron Smith walking uh, in cuffs and I'm walking into prison to serve a sentence, right? And what's going to happen at intake? They're going to take all of my wife-bought clothes, and they're going to throw them in a bag, and they're going to give me a whole new wardrobe. And it might be orange, might be gray, might be blue, who knows? But I'm going to get new wardrobe when I walk into that prison. And as long as I'm in that prison, as long as I'm a prisoner, I'm going to wear the clothing That signifies that I'm a prisoner, right? Probably going to have a number, all that sort of stuff. It's going to be painfully obvious that my wife is no longer buying my clothes, but that the Justice Department or somebody is. Now, imagine that I've served my sentence, and I'm leaving that prison. I've I've secured my freedom through whatever way possible. And I'm leaving the prison, and I'm like, you know what? I'd like to hang on to these clothes. I think I'm going to wear that next Sunday to preach in. (laughs) No, you know what, my wife, I don't want her to have to buy my clothes. Let me just continue to wear the clothes of my prison sentence. No, I don't think anybody that gets out of prison wants to continue to wear the clothes of their imprisonment. No, they wear the clothes of free men, and that is the picture today. It would be so inconsistent for me to stand up today and preach in prison clothes as if I was still in prison And it's so inconsistent for us as Christians to claim Christ and continue to put on the old, to continue to put on the clothes of our imprisonment and our slavery to sin. He's saying that is not the way that you learned Christ, that we are meant to put on the new, the clothes of our freedom. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. You can, get, you can scratch the imagery of Byron in prison for the rest of the sermon, okay? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Let me pray. God, I pray this morning that that would be true of each one of us in this room that there is an old life, a before Christ. God, I pray for those that don't know you that are still walking in the corrupt flesh, still walking according to deceitful desires, and still living the old life that is captive to sin. God, I pray that that they would find freedom in Christ today, freedom in the gospel that, that can only be found there. God, and I pray for those of us that that claim Christ and know you and live in relationship with you, God. May we put off the old and may we put on the new that's created after your likeness. God, I pray that you would continually make us look more and more like Christ in everything that we do. God, we love you and we thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. All right, let's look at verse 17. Let's start there. He says, Now I say this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. Now Paul is not saying that we shouldn't walk as Gentile Christians. He spent a lot of time in Ephesians talking about that Gentiles are included. But what he's saying is we should no longer walk as the nations, those who don't know God. And now this point is so painfully obvious, but we must say it. If we're going to claim Christ, then we should look like Christ. If we're going to claim to know God, then we should look like Christ. If we're going to claim to be a Christian, then we should live as Christians, not as the world. He says we should not walk as the Gentiles do, as the nations do. The truth for us as Christians is that we have a former life. Every one of us, and we could go around the room today and detail that, and it would hurt, <laughs> right? It's not fun to bring out that former life that was dominated by sin, that was dominated by self. But, but for us in Christ, we all have that. And God, through the gospel, has given us salvation, and he has saved us and made us something new. Now that something new is not perfect. This is not a perfect people, who, who have it all together and have it all figured out and never struggle with sin. That's, that's not his point. We are being made perfect. But there is an inner change in us that we no longer desire to continue to go back to sin and to continue to be ruled by our old life. We are walking as Christians, not, as he says, as the Gentiles do. He says, no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Futility means emptiness when Solomon in Ecclesiastes says vanity of vanities, all is vanity, or meaningless, everything is meaningless, it's this same word, it's empty. And our life before we knew Christ, before we ever came in contact with Christ, he says was empty. There was no purpose, there was no meaning, there was no uh, direction, it was empty, uh, the picture is someone that's that that is that he's painting in our picture as I read this is somebody that's wandering uh, aimlessly in life, and I've been there, right? I've been through my early twenties where you just I don't know what am I supposed to do? My parents aren't paying my bills anymore, and all this stuff, right? You're wandering aimlessly, and and it's it's more the picture though that someone's wandering aimlessly towards impending danger, right? They're, they're about to walk off of a cliff. And this is how I lived for a time. That I, I was living for myself. I was living for my desires. And what I couldn't see in my flesh is that the, the, where I was going was empty, and it was, it was not good. And it wasn't until God really got a hold of my heart that I saw how empty it was. In the moment, it felt good, right? Right? It feels good to satisfy our flesh. It feels good to give in to sin. But the end result is not good. And that's what he says. The old life is empty. Without Christ, we are empty. And he describes what that emptiness looks like. Look at verse 18. He says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. He says they are darkened in their understanding. It's as as if we're blind. Before we knew Christ, we we are blind. We are without enlightenment. The old man cannot see the truth that, that sin leads to death and that Jesus is the way to salvation. The old man is blind and unable to see. He says that he is alienated from the life of God alienated from the life of God. The end result of a life without Christ is that we will stay alienated, separated from God. That is the end result. If we live our life as the old man, we will spend eternity separated from God. And he says it's because of the ignorance that is in them. Shane Stover (laughs) likes to call people ignorant. And he says that it's not an insult, and I agree with him, because what ignorant means is without knowledge. You know, I'm not calling you a bad name. Is that, I'm telling the truth, right? You say this often, okay? (laughs) I'm not making this up. And he's saying, they're without knowledge. I've got to give them some knowledge, right? And that's what he says about us. Our old man was ignorant. It's not an insult. He's saying they are without knowledge, They don't have knowledge of God's salvation. They don't have knowledge of Jesus and what he's done. They don't have spiritual knowledge of the way to God. They know who God is. Romans 1 makes that very clear. That we all know who God is and we are without excuse. But we are those who are before Christ in the old man. They are without knowledge of Christ. And he says it's because due to their hardness of heart hardness of heart as the old man continually rejects God and goes my own way and says no I know better No, I, what I feel is more important no I, I know truth and I, I got this God as we reject God over and over what happens is, is our hearts get hard and hard hearts do not allow truth to sink into them It's like the hard soil that Jesus describes in the parable, that the seed hits there, but it just bounces off, and the birds come and pluck it away. Uh, If you're into medical things, some of you have had friends or family uh, that have suffered from something called the cirrhosis of the liver. Uh, and the cirrhosis of the liver, I had to look it up this week. I've heard of it. I'm pretty clueless when it comes to the body. Uh, I'm learning. But cirrhosis of the liver is a, is a slow uh, hardening of the liver. And so what happens due to various things, it could be alcohol, it could be uh, disease, it could be all sorts of reasons. But over time what happens in the liver is that healthy tissues uh, scar up. And they, they no longer are healthy and functioning, but they scar up and they become hard. And over time, that cirrhosis spreads and the liver doesn't function as it should. And when the liver doesn't function as it should, what happens in the rest of the body? Well, there's all kinds of other problems in other places of your body because the liver is not functioning, because it's slowly hardening. And if eventually... If you're left untreated, this may take a long time. Eventually, cirrhosis of the liver is going to lead to death. Probably not from the liver not functioning, but from all the other problems that it causes. And I think that's what he's describing when he says, the old man, due to his hardness of heart, that over time, as we slowly reject God, as we say, no, I know better, no, I know truth, no, I'm going to go my own way, slowly and slowly, our heart becomes harder and harder and it doesn't function as it should and it causes problems in lots of areas of our life and if we don't deal with the core problem if we just treat the symptoms of the cirrhosis of the liver if we don't treat the core problem eventually it will lead to death That is what he's saying. If our heart is not softened and restored and brought into knowledge and fully functioning into life-giving relationship with God, then we will spend eternity separated from God. This is the old man. This is not good news to say that we have a hard heart. He keeps going to describe the old man. Look at 19. He says, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Uh, callous, uh, I remember when I was learning to play guitar and my fingers would bleed early on, right? It just, if anybody learned to play the guitar and experienced the finger bleed, Cody, yes, thank you. Uh, anybody pitched a baseball for a long time and h- had finger problems, anybody done anything for a long time with your hands, right? uh, Nobody, nobody's done anything with their hands. All right, good. Bunch of armless people in here. Uh, Over time, what happens if you keep playing and you push through the pain, what happens? You develop calluses, right? And what that means is that my finger no longer feels pain. So if I stick it on a hot stove, I don't really feel pain right there on the ends of my fingers, right? Because they're calloused. And that's what he's saying. The old man has lost the sensitivity, has lost the ability to feel or feel pain or recognize that this is not good. The old man is callous. And what he means is they're all in on their selves. They're all in on their sin and their desires and living out what their truth is and what they want to do. And he says that they're giving in to sin more and more. He says uh, that they've given themselves up to sensuality. Sensuality uh, means unrestrained desires. And I think the best example I can think of is this last week, my kids and Halloween candy, right? We had a whole bucket full thanks to a great fall festival and all sorts of people that just fill my kids' buckets with candy, Right? And my kids do not know how to restrain their desires when it comes to candy. And let's be honest, I probably don't either, okay? Sensuality is the idea that we have no self-control. That whatever desire we feel, we just do it. And this is so painfully obvious with my kids right now. If they feel anger... They lash out, right? They're going to hit, they're going to bite, they're going to punch. If they want candy, they're going to do whatever they can to give in to that desire. Is that good? No, right? It's not good to give in to every desire. And this is what he says the old man is like that the old man, before we know Christ, gives into every desire. He, he doesn't restrain himself. There is no self-control. Whatever we feel, we just do. We know people that are like this with their words, right? People that have no restraint over their words. If they want to say something, if a thought enters their mind, they say it. Is that good? No. <laughs> we need a filter, right? My grandma in her late stages of life did not have a filter, right? She was going to say whatever came to her mind. Is that good? No. Right? We need self-control. But the old man, he says, has given themselves up to sensuality. That they, they give in to every desire. They have no self-control. And it leads to excess. He says they are greedy to practice every kind of impurity. It, the, the picture and the words that he's using and the, the progression is this idea of a downward spiral that as we choose a little sin, it leads to more and it leads to hardness of heart. It leads to callousness and eventually it leads to a, a, you're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. The old man is a downward spiral and the old man is fully separated from God. Verse 20, let's get to the good news. He says, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. As as you read this, you can almost sense Paul's frustration to say, like... You know this, like I feel that with my kids sometimes. I'm like, how many times, Hudson, have I told you don't hit your sister? And he'll go four, five. Like I don't want an answer. I want you to, ugh, I want you to get it. I, I sense that when Paul writes this, he said, I can't even understand why you would think you could claim Christ and live however you wanted. That you would claim to be a gospel person, but then continue on in all these sins. (laughs) He's saying there's this radical change. If you really understand God's grace, if you really understand the truth of the gospel, that Jesus died in my place, and I don't have to prove myself to the Father anymore, and Jesus already did that, and I'm accepted, and I'm loved, and I'm cherished forever. If I really understand that, there's this radical change. And he is so confused because he's saying there's no way that believing in the gospel should lead to callousness or sensuality or greed or impurity or ignorance. No, he goes on, believing in the gospel should lead to us looking more and more like Christ. Here's what he says, verse 22. He says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. It's translated as a command that we're we're to do this, but it it really is the idea that God has done this, and then we're to continue to do this. And so the first thing that God has done is he has put off our old self. We are not able without Christ to put off our old self. The old has passed away, and the new has come, and that wasn't because we were so great. It's because God was so great. But it also carries the idea that we have to continue to put off those old prison clothes. We don't choose to go back to the life that we once lived. It's our former manner of living. It means that it's in our past. It's something that God's taken away and that he's made us right with God. Yes, we will still wrestle with sin. We still will be tempted, right? Anybody in the room? Yes. Trying to walk with God is not freedom from temptation or freedom from struggle or any of that. But we do not continue to put on those clothes. We repent when sin is exposed. The theme of our life is not that I'm a... I'm just a great sinner, and that, just, that, that these things define me. John Newton said it like this on his deathbed. He said, although my memory's fading, I remember two things very clearly, that I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. We know the depths of our sin, and we know that we struggle, and we want to go back to this old, these old ways and these old clothes. And he says, don't do it. It's been done for you. The old self is put off continue to put it off. He says the old self is corrupt through deceitful desires. Corrupt means perishing or dying. It means that it's rotten on the core. It may look good on the outside, but it's corrupt. And he says it's through deceitful desires. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. This is a core fundamental truth for us as Christians. Not every desire that we have is good. Just because we have a feeling or a desire does not mean that we are meant to act on that desire. And Satan uses our desires and our feelings and our to deceive us and to lead us to more sin. So let me just give you a few examples. Today after lunch, I'm going to feel something. And I'm going to feel the need to eat another brownie. I can tell you. It's going to be there, right? Jacob gets it. I'm going to feel that. Now, should I give in to that feeling? Some say, oh, some are going, yeah, come on. <laughs> I don't, I'm going to say no. Probably I should not have the other Baronie. right? Just because we have a desire doesn't mean that it leads to life or health. Not all desires do. We have to have self-control in the spirit. Just because I feel hate towards someone, that's a feeling. Does that mean that I should act on it? No, right? I don't, that doesn't give me the right to punch you in the face because I feel something. Does it give me the right to hurt you or to harm you because I feel something? Not every desire or feeling that we have leads to life. We have to exercise self-control in the spirit. And this could be applied to so many areas. Talk about sexuality and gender that just because you feel something just because I feel attracted to something doesn't mean that I should act on that that's true for homosexuality and heterosexuality and gender does it, just because you feel something doesn't mean that you are something or that you should act on that does that make sense feelings are not the end-all be-all feelings and desires are not truth We are to exercise self-control because Satan wants to use our deceitful desires to lead us back to the old man. But we are not to walk in those ways. Verse 23, he says, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Again, this this is a truth that God has done and it's a truth that we are to live out. That we have been renewed in the spirit of our minds. This is what God has done. He has made us new. Our minds were darkened and ignorant and without understanding and disobedient. But we've been given a new mind now that we know Christ. There is an inner transformation that we have been made new. But there's also this truth in Romans 12 where he says that you would be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Right, That we have to continue to fill our minds with truth and continue to be renewed, continue to be made new. That we have to do, we have a part in it even though God has fully done it. And we will one day realize how fully he has done it. But we are not to allow our minds to go back to the old man. Verse 24, he says, And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness, and holiness this is the third truth that God has done that he has given us a new self but we also have to choose to continue to put on these new clothes that he has given us to live in these new ways that he has given us this new self he says has been uh, recreated has been created after the likeness of God in the beginning we were all created with what We were created in the image of God, right, originally. And what did did we do to corrupt that? We sinned. We marred the image. We, We distorted the picture of what God intended for us to look like. But when Jesus comes and he rescues us from our sin, he is recreating us. And what does he say? After the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness we are meant to look more and more and more like Christ. That doesn't mean that there's not a... <laughs> the Christian life is not, I'm here and then I'm perfect. It's a, it's a trajectory, but it's not a very smooth trajectory. There's, there's growth and then there's decline. And there's growth and there's decline, right? We struggle with sin. We struggle with temptation. We struggle with all this stuff. We will not be fully perfect until we get to heaven. And I feel this today, right? I feel that we sang it, prone to wonder, Lord. I can't remember the words. Prone to wonder, that's all I remember. (laughs) We are. We are prone to wonder from what we know is the path to life. We're prone to go back to that which tempts us. And we all have different things. We all have different temptations. There will always be that. Our hope today Christians is not that we will be perfect you won't you're gonna leave here and you're gonna struggle you're gonna wrestle you're gonna get frustrated with your wife you're gonna be short-tempered with your kids you're gonna go back to an old vice we're all gonna do it our hope is not in that we leave this room and we're perfect what's our hope in That Jesus has already done that and yeah we're to look more and more and more like him but our only hope is that Jesus Christ on the cross is our finished work we don't have to work anymore and so how does this apply to our lives well I think there's two two kinds of people in the room first there's the old man and there's the new man there's some of you who do not know Christ You may have the trappings of the outside, and you may look good, but the inside is corrupt through deceitful desires. And if you don't know Christ today, this truth of this passage says that you are alienated from God, and you will spend eternity separated from God. There is no new man unless you go through Christ, unless you are renewed and recreated and redeemed. That is the only way that you can experience life. So if you don't know Jesus today, if you have no hope, if you're still trying to earn favor with God, I would love to talk with you about that. I would love to talk with you about sin and its consequences and what Jesus did to take that from us. I don't want you to leave here today still being the old man. So we're going to sing here in a minute and you can come talk to me or you can talk at the end. But for Christians... The question for us today is, are we still putting on our old prison clothes? Are we still going back to things that don't look like Christ? Are we, still, are we still choosing the old man? Are we still going back to that? This is confusing. It's inconsistent. We are meant to look more and more like Christ, not less and less. So Christians, take off the old and put on the new. Remember the gospel. Remember the freedom that has been given to you. Don't keep putting on the orange and the blue and the gray jumpsuit. Put on your freedom clothes today. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this truth. God, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And we were ignorant of the way to salvation, God. But you enlightened our minds and our hearts to see the beauty of the gospel. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God, and we thank you for mercy and we thank you for grace because the old man, my old man, did not deserve to be saved. I had done nothing to warrant love or freedom or mercy. God, but you gave us grace. God, and you're recreating us and you're renewing us into something that looks more and more like Christ. God, I pray today that we would be thankful that we are no longer the old man, God, but I pray that we would continue to live more and more like the new man that you created us to be. We would image you on this earth and that would point other people to the truth, that their minds would be enlightened to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God, we love you and we thank you for this good news that the old man has been transformed into something new. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.